So good morning again, everybody. Good to see you all. Uh, it seems that everybody's smiling now. Okay. I'll be checking in on you once in a while if you're all smiling. But don't worry, if you're sleeping, it's okay. Because that means my voice is so gentle. That's, your, that's why I'm putting you into a lullaby. Right? I'm not going to call on you. Okay? So we're going to continue our study of a way out. Okay? A way out of the temptation. Uh, as I told you last week, we're not going to avoid temptation. Because temptation is inevitable in our life as Christians. Whether you're a believer or not, you're going to be tempted. And last week, we talked about the source of temptation. And what was the source of temptation that I told you about last week? Anybody? What was the source of temptation in John chapter 1, 13 to 18? The world. The world? No, not the world. Sin? Not the sin? Yourself. The last. Right? The, the desires that you have. The desires that you have. Uh, I, I, remember, I told you, the desires that we have are actually not evil by, its, by themselves. They become evil if they, we are attracted to them and we give in to those desires in an unbiblical way. We satisfy our desires in the wrong way. Our own way or our world's way rather than God's way. So the source of our temptation is not the devil, not other people around us because we will always say the devil made me do it. Or my parents made me do it. They're the reason why I commit this sin. No. It's your lustful desires within your heart. Remember, the heart is deceitful. It is wicked above all things. So this morning, we're going to continue our series. We'll be on Matthew chapter 4. Remember, in Matthew chapter 4, the, the Lord Jesus Christ was tempted three times. But it doesn't mean that Jesus Christ was tempted only three times all throughout his life here on earth. He was tempted by the devil several times. It's more than three. But God has given us three aspects of his temptation because it deals with all the different kinds of temptation that we experience as believers in the Lord. So we'll be looking at Matthew 4, 1 to 4 this Sunday. And the next two weeks we'll go through the other two temptations. And in correlation with Matthew 4, 1 to 4, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 to 10. And the title of our message this morning is Relying on Yourself. It sounds familiar, right? Because Proverbs 3, 5 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. That's relying on yourself when you lean onto your own understanding. But before that, let's go into prayer and commit all these things that we're going to discuss this morning to our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you that we have your complete word of God, the scriptures, the holy word of God, to guide us even in the midst of our testings or temptation. We know, Lord, that without your word, we'll, we will be at a loss. We will be confused. And we don't have any way out. But we thank God that you have given us this way out. This way of escape. The word of God. That's why the psalmist says, Thy word have I hid my heart that I might not sin against thee. So help us, O Lord, to always treasure. To 
possess the word of God in our hearts so that when the time comes during our testing or temptation, we can bring that out and apply that in our situations. So Lord, be with us, Lord, this moment, and may your Holy Spirit continue to teach us and help us, Lord, also how to live out the principles that we're going to learn this morning. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. We live in a materialistic culture, and we know that. And philosophy tells us that this uh, principle of materialism and pleasure-seeking is what we call as hedonism. We live in a hedonistic culture. And in this materialistic culture in this world, pleasure is number one. Selfish pleasure. What pleases me is more important than what pleases the Lord or what pleases other people. And because we want this selfish pleasure in our, in our life, we want to be instantly gratified. I want to have this now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but right here and right now. And sometimes we pray for patience. We tell God, God, can you give me patience right now? Which is ironic because patience is developed in a period of time until you become more mature in your walk with the Lord. All around us, billboard signs, television, internet, internet, there are so many promotions and advertisements. And those promotions and advertisements will tell you, you need to buy this now. Otherwise, after a minute or after an hour, this will be gone. There will be no more promos. The world is always inviting us and seducing us into instant gratification. Because the world knows our heart that we want to make our life much more pleasurable right now, especially nowadays, right? You know what's going on in the whole world. Not only in this church, not only in our individual lives, but all over the world. Right now, they're planning to turn and convert the, uh, turn the U.S. dollars into a one-world currency. Because they don't want the U.S. dollars right now, or even the Canadian dollars for that matter. They want the currency to be digital. So everything will be digital. Sounds familiar, right? During the time of tribulation, everything will be digital. The, the imprint of the beast will be on the thumb or on the forehead. You don't need any, anything else. So what's happening right now are just premonitions of what's going on, what will be going on in the future. But don't get me wrong. Yes, we have those desires, pleasurable desires, but remember, those desires are also given by God. For example, hunger, thirst, the sense of belongingness, enjoyment of our life. The Bible does not prohibit us to enjoy all those things, but the problem is that we tend to achieve and fulfill those desires in our own way, rather than God's way. And in our passage this morning, we're going to see that Satan will be the agent of temptation here, and is going to invite and seduce and attract Jesus Christ to fulfill his God-given desires in the wrong way, not in the manner that the Bible has given us. 
as an instruction. Remember last week, as I've said, our sin nature, our lustful desires, those are the things that tend to influence us, to be tempted, and then later on to fall into sin if we don't overcome those kind of temptations. So the lesson for all of us this morning, as we have these wrongful desires provided or satisfied in the wrong way, the only key is to trust God rather than to rely on ourselves. We know that all of us experience temptations. Your temptation may be different from my kind of temptation. Your temptation may be intense, my mind must be less intense, but the fact is that all of us are tempted by our own desires and also by the enemy. Because we have different personalities. Men have different kinds of temptations, women have different kinds of temptations. Women is more about shopping, clothing. Men would be about more probably gadgets, technologies, and some other things. So there are differences in the way that we are tempted, but the fact is that all of us are tempted and temptation is inevitable. And sometimes the people that you associate with, people that you are accompanied with, your friends might influence you to those kinds of temptation. However, we must understand that whatever tempts, whatever world, the world or the enemy or even yourself tempts you to fall into sin, remember, we can always look up to the Lord Jesus Christ example. And that is the reason why the Bible shows us that Jesus Christ was tempted in all points. In all points, the Bible says, but he did not commit any sin. So it is possible, it is possible for all of us to be tempted, yet without sinning against the Lord. So let's look into this passage and we'll see how the Lord Jesus Christ addressed the temptation brought about by the enemy. The question that will be posed here is this, before we read the passage, would he take the easy way out of the temptation or would he fulfill the way of God, the plan of God for his life. And that will be a big question for each one of us also as we are tempted. Are we going to succumb to our temptations, to our desires in the wrong way, in the wrong manner? Are we going to follow the principles of the word of God? So the main idea that I would like us to remember this morning is that you ought to resist the urge of relying on your flesh in the face of testing or temptation. Okay? I take note, I said testing or temptation because the word temptation in the King James in our Bible has two different connotations. It could be a testing, which is good, intended for good, and temptation which is intended for us to commit sin. But there will be times that our testing or trial could cause us to sin also if we make the wrong choice. For example, you have a certain issue in your life, whether that would be financial, emotional, 
That is, could be a testing that comes from God, just like what happened to Job. That could lead to sin or to something that is good depending upon your choice. So if you have a problem, for example, you need money, and what did you do? You stole from a certain institution, perhaps a bank, then that testing led into sin. But if you have a problem with money, you went to the Lord, you work harder, you get, got another job, then that testing led you into something that is good rather than sin. So again, the bottom line is your choice. What would you do? Would you do God's way or your own way? So resist the urge of relying on yourself when you are faced with testing or temptation. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. It is written, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So take note here, before Matthew 4, something happened in Matthew chapter 3. Because verse 1 tells us, Then, so something happened before Matthew chapter 4. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 3, 16 and 17. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Verse 17, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was in a high time of his life, in the mountain area of his life, before the temptation happened. He was baptized, and the Lord God, the Father, commended him as the Son in whom he is well pleased. High time in the ministry. Sometimes all of us are like that. Sunday is the highest time in our ministry. And then come Monday morning, we are on the lower part of our life as Christians. Those things happen, just like what Jesus Christ experienced. One time, he's commanded by the Lord, and now in verse 1, he was led by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. So many people would question, does the Holy Spirit tempt us? According to the passage, no. Could be indirectly, but not directly tempting us. Because remember, the Holy Spirit is God himself. And we have learned from James chapter 1, 13 to 18, that God does not tempt anyone, and he can never be tempted by any kind of evil thing. Because he is holy and perfect. But here, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And how does this passage become relevant to all of us also? The wilderness experience in the Bible is usually an experience of challenges, struggles, problems in life. And Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into that area in his life also. And if Jesus Christ was led into that difficult area of his life, how much more we, his students, his learners, his pupils, if I may say so. All of us will also undergo wilderness experiences. 
And there are times that the Holy Spirit will be leading us into those wilderness experiences. But not for the purpose of tempting us to sin, but for the purpose of testing us so that we can become more mature in our, in our faith in, Jesus, in our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we come, become more mature when we are led by the Spirit into the wilderness? We become more dependent on Him. I always tell my students during the discipleship class, the best thing that we know that we are becoming more mature and that we are growing in the grace of knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is that as we grow in our walk with Him, we become more dependent. The world is completely different. They said you become stronger, you become more mature if you are more independent of other people and especially of your God. So the Bible begs to differ because the Bible tells us if you grow more mature, you become more dependent on the Lord because you know that you are really sinful, that you really need more help as you grow stronger in your faith. So the Lord Jesus Christ was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And indirectly, he will be tempted by the devil. And then here in verse 2, it says, When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. Jesus Christ was at a moment of weakness. He was a great, at a great moment of weakness. Of course, Jesus Christ, remember, was 100% man and 100% God. And as 100% man, he would be tired, he would be weak, and especially after 40 days fasting and 40 nights, who would not be hungry? No one would be saying, I'm still okay, I'm still, I feel like I'm full. I'm not hungry. Of course not. 40 days? Sometimes just you lose just one meal, you're already hungry. Right? And sometimes during the middle of the service, I'm so hungry, Pastor, I cannot get some uh, cookies and sandwiches in the kitchen. Right? We get hungry. The same with Jesus Christ. He became hungry. I heard one of the messages of the dearly departed uh, Dr. Charles Stanley, and it's really stuck in my mind because he preached about the moments of weaknesses. Because those moments of weakness in our life are usually the moments when we are tempted and if we don't guard ourselves in our hearts from those kinds of temptation, we can fall into sin. And he had this, um, this um, acronym for four, four things that could be examples of weaknesses or moments of weakness. And he said, Halt, H-A-L-T. H means when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, and then lastly, when you're tired. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, those are moments wherein you are at your lowest point. So guard yourself. And remember, Jesus Christ here was hungry. One of the halt. One of the four letters in that word, halt. So when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired, guard yourselves because temptation might come and you might fall into sin if you don't guard your heart. But 
We thank God, but the Lord Jesus Christ was led by the Holy Spirit. You know, the word led is so important in the Bible. The word led means he was guided, he was under the control, he was under the direction of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? It means that he was not brushing aside the Holy Spirit and his role in his life, as a man, of course. And as human beings, as children of God, we ought not also to brush aside the leading, the guidance, the control, the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Remember, Romans chapter 8 tells us that we are people who walk after the Spirit. We no longer walk after the flesh. So why are we sometimes walking after the flesh rather than after the Spirit? Because we brush aside the role of the Spirit in our life. So don't ever do that so that you can guard yourself from falling into sin. So now in verse 3, you know, Satan would always take any opportunity to tempt us so that we will fall into sin. So in verse 3, the Bible says, When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. What's wrong with Satan's temptation? Everything is wrong. Because he said, If you are the Son of God, Actually, he was not casting doubt on the Lord Jesus Christ, understanding that he is the Son of God. He's telling, actually, our Lord Jesus Christ, since you are the Son of God, yes, you know that you are the Son of God, then you can be powerful. Even if you are 100% God, 100% man, you can manifest your godly attributes. So now, you're hungry. Why don't you deal with your hungry desires with turning those stones into bread. Can Jesus do that? Of course, sure. God can God even can turn this building into a mansion with several rooms for each one of us so that we can reside in this place. But would God would God do that? Of course not. Because this is not the right timing and this is not the right way to deal with hunger. It's like what I told you. When you're hungry, what would you do? The wrong way would be you steal from Subway or probably you steal from Popeyes, your favorite chicken. That's the wrong way. But the right way is if you have money from the bank, go to your ATM, withdraw some money and buy some food. Or probably if you don't have any money, why don't you ask from the brethren to provide you some money for the food? The same thing happens with Jesus Christ and, and the, the tempter, Satan. Since you are the son of God, use your powers right now. And you know, that's what the, Satan will always do to all of us. You need to satisfy your desires right here, right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Long, any much longer. You need to deal with your hunger right now. And Jesus Christ, of all people, of course, knew the strategies and the schemes of Satan. And that's why we need to follow his example. He, even though he's 100% man, he's also 100% God. He knows what's going on in the mind of Satan. So what did he do? He said, 
It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So here, the Lord Jesus Christ is telling us, do not ever, ever satisfy your God-given desires the wrong way. Hunger is a God-given desire, but don't satisfy that desire in an ungodly way. Use always the way of God, the manner of God. So we see here in verses 1 to 4 that even though we are undergoing some times of spiritual revival, spiritual excitement, and joy, we can always expect the wilderness in our life. Doesn't mean that you're okay today, that tomorrow you will not experience any kind of sadness or problems in life. Because our life in this world is like that. We won't have all those things when we are in heaven. That's why we need to pray that Jesus Christ will come very, very soon. So that we will experience the joys of heaven. No more tears, no more headaches, no more sorrows, but just joy in the presence of our God. The Spirit tested the commitment of the Lord Jesus Christ to faithfulness. And the Spirit was also testing us, not tempting us, but testing us to determine also if we are committed to be faithful to our Lord God, if we are loyal to His mission. I know we are experiencing so much struggle individually and also corporately as a church, but would those things deter us and stop us from spreading the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ in this world through this local church? Of course not, because the devil would want us to do that. The devil would want us to stop preaching the gospel, even though people are continually reject, rejecting the good news. We need to keep on doing what we are doing, and much more than before, because people are going down the drain. They're getting worse. The morality of this world is just like the morality during the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. Even during the time of Noah, Noah had been preaching to his own people from how many years? 100 years. And how many people got into the Noah's Ark? Only eight people. His three sons and their wives, and then himself and his wife. Eight people. Out of perhaps there are millions of people there. But did he give up during those 100 years? No. He did not look at the people that he was preaching to. He was looking always unto the God and the ark, which is a representation of our Lord Jesus Christ that will bring about salvation to all of them. Let's stop looking at people. Let's start looking at Jesus Christ, especially in order to satisfy our God-given desires. Remember, the fullness of our life is not based on the physical things that we have or the material things that we're going to experience in our life. The best, the best people in the eyes of the Lord are those people who have been faithful to Him while here on earth. So while here on earth, 
Remain faithful to the Lord. Do your best in everything you do for the Lord. Be committed, be faithful, be loyal to Him. Don't quit, never give up. Because in, the, in heaven, the Lord will not ask you if you have the best and the most amount of toys while here on this world. He will ask you, what have you done for the name's sake of my son? For the sake of my son, Lord, our, your Lord Jesus Christ. What have you done for him? Have you done something for eternity? Or is it whatever you did here in this world is just right here in this world? You left everything in this world. So always keep looking at eternity because that is more important. That's forever. Everything that we see here right now in the world will be corrupted, will be eaten by moth. They will be destroyed. And according to King Solomon, most of those possessions that we have will be turned over to other people, perhaps to the government. And so what's going to happen with those things that we are accumulating? Rather than accumulate material things, accumulate things that are important in eternity. Secondly, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 to 5, the Bible tells us that we should not forget, ignore, or neglect the provisions of God. So in Matthew 4, 4, the Lord Jesus Christ quoted from the Old Testament scriptures. And that's how we get a way out of our temptation. How we overcome temptation is quote scripture. And here, the Lord Jesus Christ quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8. So this is what it says in verses 2 to 5. And thou shalt remember, Moses was talking to the Israelites at this point. Thou shalt remember all the way in which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. And mind you, Moses was not talking to the original members of those people who left Egypt. In the book of Deuteronomy, he was talking to the children of those parents who left Egypt. At this point in time, they were on the verge of entering the land of Canaan, and all of the adults, 40 years and older, who left Egypt, what happened to them? They all died. They all died. Why did they die? Because God just killed them? No. They died because of their sin. And what was their sin? They did not depend on the Lord God's provision. They relied on themselves. They constantly complained to the Lord God. You know, God is so long-suffering. We know that. But there's a limit to this long-suffering of our God. He will lose his patience if we constantly commit sin and unfaithfulness towards him. So at this point in time, only the children of those 40 years and older were left in the eyes of Moses. And Moses told these people, God had been so faithful to you for 40 years. And what was the purpose of God in leading you in these 40 years? To humble you first, then to prove you, means to test you, to test what's in your heart to know whether you're going to obey or not obey the Lord God. To know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And then verse 3, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee or allowed thee to hunger, and fed thee with 
manner. How many times have God led you into the wilderness? Perhaps many times already, especially with Marty being 79. Yes, he, she has been led by God into those wilderness experiences almost all throughout her life. But can you attest, can everybody attest that in the midst of the wilderness, God has always been there for you? In the 40 years of the wilderness, God has been present with the people of Israel during the day as the pillar of cloud, in the evening as the pillar of fire. And not only that, all throughout the 40 years, from day one until the last day of the 40 years, they've been fed with manna. And perhaps that's why these people of Israel were so impatient. They're fed up. What's the, what's the menu for today, mom? Mana. How about tomorrow? Mana. So probably they just change the, the recipe. Probably fried mana today, and then tomorrow, mana in the air fryer. Or tomorrow, probably in the oven. Or probably tomorrow, mana with some potatoes. But still, the main ingredient is mana. We can understand, God can understand, we can be fed up with so many things going on like that in the wilderness and used to have the same kind of food for 40 years. But what if God will provide you the same kind of food all throughout your life as a believer? Would you follow the example of the Israelites complaining at all times rather than thanking the Lord? When you complain, what happens to you? You become sad, you become frustrated, you become disappointed, you develop more wrinkles, you, be, you grow older. But when you become thankful to the Lord, which is not what the people of Israel did, what would you experience? You experience joy. You feel that you're the, you're the happiest person in the world, that although you're having mana all throughout your life, you are thankful. Because you know that it is the God that you worship who provided for you, and you are content and satisfied with that. Verse 3, going back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, He humbled thee, fed thee with mana, which thou knowest not, neither did the fathers know, that he might make thee know and this is what the Lord Jesus Christ quoted in Matthew 4.4, 4, that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord that man live. You know, the word bread in the Bible is a, spirit, is a spiritual illustration of our need for whatever comes out from God, whether it is the word of God or whether that will be any provision that comes from his own power as our father. The bread is the most important commodity and product for the people of Israel. For some of us who are Filipinos, perhaps that would not be bread, it would be rice, but still the same. Bread and rice are still important to all of us. And that's our staple food. Without that, we will not live, at least physically. 
But spiritually speaking, think about this. If we don't have the Word of God, the Bible, to guide us in our spiritual life, how can we grow? How can we grow? How can we live a, 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 a life that is dependent upon God? How can we know more about God without the Word of God? And that's why the Bible tells us, seek those things that are eternal, heavenly, rather than the things that are earthly. Remember, these bodies will be corrupted when we die. This will be decayed. But what is important is our soul. Are you feeding your soul with the Word of God? Or are you feeding more your body with the toxins of this world? Our soul is so important. Our spirit is so important. Feed on the Word of God. If Jesus Christ says, the Word of God is more important to me than any kind of physical bread, shouldn't we also give the Word of God the highest importance, the highest priority in our life? Verse 4 of Deuteronomy 8 tells us, Thy raiment wax not all the fondy, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Can you imagine that? For 40 years, their clothing... They did, perhaps they just washed their clothing and then wore them again when they're dry. But they didn't never need to go to department stores to buy new ones. They did not order online to buy new um, clothing or even the shoes. They did not need to buy any kind of shoes. Some of us are probably several collections of shoes in our closets. No, I'm not making you feel guilty, but I'm just wanting each one of us to evaluate our priorities. The people of Israel did not uh, have their shoes replaced because for 40 years, their foot did not swell. That means they did not to replace their shoes. When we see something in the department, so, oh, I like that shoe. Uh, even though I have... Uh, probably 20 pairs of shoes already. I still want that. I still want that. But sometimes we forget. God wants you to be content. Be satisfied. Are you going to bring those shoes up there in heaven? Remember, behind the funeral car, the hearse, there's no U-hole. Because you're not, you cannot bring all your, all your possessions in your grave. You can only bring what you did in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the point of this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8 is be satisfied with what you have. If that's still working, your shoes, your clothing are still okay, don't buy some more. Be content. Rather than buy those things for your selfish desires, why don't you give it to the work of the Lord? Or give it to someone else who might need it. Verse 5 says, Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. So what's the point here? Why did the Lord bring up discipline of his people? Because if we fall into sin, 
because of our God-given desires that we have satisfied in the wrong way, the Bible says we are sinning against the Lord. And when we sin, is God pleased? Will God be smiling? Okay, that's, it's okay you sin a little. No problem. Just continue doing that. Of course not. If you are a serious parent and you love your children, you will not let your children ignore the sin that they have committed against you, but you will cause, and cause them to suffer some kind of consequence. In the olden days, of course, in our days, most of the time, we are being spanked by our children, by our parents, sorry. The children are spanked by, by, by parents. But nowadays, people will say, okay, time out, go to that corner because you disobeyed your parents. But the Lord God has a different kind of discipline to us. Sometimes He allows wilderness experiences. He allows troubles to come to us. Because through those learning experiences, we tend to become more dependent on Him. Remember, we do not lose our salvation when we commit sin. And I think you have learned about that also in your Sunday school uh, these past few weeks. But when we sin against the Lord, we lose the joy of our fellowship with Him. Because of course, He's not pleased with us. And because of that, we will also be sad if we are sensitive enough to the heart of God. So discipline can also come to us, even in the midst of the wilderness. So we should not ignore, neglect, or forget God's provision. And lastly, Deuteronomy 8, 6 to 10, the Lord God tells us, in order to avoid relying on yourself, quote scripture, the word of God, and do not forget the provision of God. And, but lastly, you should obey and start praising the Lord. Instead of giving in to your desires, start obeying what God has commanded you already and praise Him for what you have. And that's the problem with our dissatisfaction in life. I'm not satisfied with who or what I am. Why? Because you do not accept yourself as you are made by God. And you know, um, I, I, had this, um, I read this article and I uh, listened to this one transgender woman, yeah, transgender woman, who now detransitioned into a man again. And you know, he said, this is what he said. He went back to becoming a man again. Biologically, he was a man before. He became a woman because he said, all my mental health issues before, when I wanted to become a woman, were not solved. Still the same. I have more problems. He said, now I had underwent multiple facial surgeries and body surgeries. And still, I'm not happy. So why would a person who is like that, he's very rich and he's a very popular um, media influencer. Why would a person like that who change himself into something that God did not create him to be, would not be happy? Because that's not what God intended him to be. Remember, Psalm 139 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully 
made. The problem with people who want to transition into the opposite sex is that they don't want to accept themselves as God created them to be. They want to please people. That's what this person said. Uh, his name is uh, Oli, Oliver London. He's, uh, he's British. Probably you know that, uh, Ryback, right? He said, I want to be a woman, although I'm a man, because I want to please other people. But in the end, I can never please them. I can never please myself. So he said, I started going back to church, although I think he's going back to Catholic church. And he said, I started to learn the teachings of Jesus Christ. So again, we can never be complete. We can never be satisfied unless Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And that's what the Lord God tells us in Deuteronomy 8. Therefore shalt thou keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. So in essence, obey. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Isn't it a picture of the great promised land? But how come when they entered the promised land, they fell into idolatry? They wanted more. Why? Because they were influenced by the world around them. They already have that God-given desire to feel belong, to, feel, to be satisfied, but they achieved those things in the wrong way. They followed the world's way. So don't ever follow the world's way. The last of the eyes, the last of the flesh, and the pride of life. Because God says, if you follow the ways of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. The love of the Father is not in you. If you are truly belonging to the Lord's kingdom, then you will only be satisfied in Jesus Christ alone. And then verse 10 tells us, When thou hast eaten and art full, and you're satisfied, what should you do? Bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he had given thee. Once you have experienced the satisfaction that only God can give you, praise the Lord. And again, when we praise the Lord, when we ex exhibit joy in our life, there will be lots of hormones, good hormones, that will circulate all over the body. And even if you have many problems facing you, you'll still be joyful. You may not be happy, but you will be joyful because joy is in your inner being. Because you know that even you're experiencing problems, you know that the Lord God has a great plan for your life. Yes, the answers to your prayers may, not, may be delayed for some time, but eventually the Lord wants the best for you. And you may not experience all the, the answers to your prayers right here on earth, but when you're in heaven, you don't need to recall all, the, all of those problems because in heaven, there will be no problems. There will be just praising 
towards the Lord forever and ever. So praise God from whom all blessings flow. We don't sing the doxology just as a repetitive prayer or hymn towards the Lord, but we do it seriously. We praise Him because all blessings flow from Him. Even the not-so-good blessings come from God, and we ought to thank Him always. So how can we leave out the principles we've learned this morning? First and foremost, we ought to develop a grateful heart. Start thanking God. Telling Him, Lord, I want to be thankful towards you. Even though it's hard, it's difficult, especially with my situation, I still would thank you. Because you have provided for everything that is good. And secondly, develop a trusting heart. Continue to rely on Him and His ways rather than your own way in order to satisfy desires. And lastly, how can you show that you are grateful and trusting towards God? Be generous. Be generous towards His church, towards His kingdom, towards His people. Have you experienced that when you give at least, not probably the, uh, the most costly gift to another person, but when you give something that is sacrificial to another person in your life, not only that person is joyful, but you feel the joy. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced that? You experience that joy also in your heart because you have given this person the joy in his heart. So let's be grateful, be trusting, and be generous. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this passage, Lord, reminding us that even Jesus Christ had experienced temptation all throughout his life here on earth. But never did he fall into sin. So there's a way out for us also, Lord, as long as we follow the guidelines written for us in the Word of God. And as we follow the pattern of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, not to rely on our own way to satisfy our own God-given desires, but to always rely on you. And help us, Lord, to always thank you for all your provisions, to obey your commandments, and to praise you for who you are and what you have done in our life. And Lord, as we end this service, O oh Lord, help us, Lord, as we leave this building to have hearts that are grateful, trusting towards you, and generous to you, to other people, and to everybody that would need our help, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand up, please, as we sing our final hymn.